Bible reading for tonight is Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law of all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, Go through the camp and tell the people, Get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses the servant of the Lord gave you after he said, The Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Your wives, your children and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all your fighting men ready for battle must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. You are to help them until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses the servant of the Lord gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise. Then they answered Joshua, Whatever you have commanded us we will do, and wherever you send us we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them, will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Uh, thank you for that, Anthony. Uh, welcome, everyone. Welcome, everybody, online. It's good to be with you. If I haven't met you yet, I'm having trouble talking tonight, um, which is going to be great. Um, my name's Jai, I'm one of the pastors here, and it's great to be with you as we kick off our new series in Joshua. And if you've, uh, if you've been around for the last couple of years, you would have noticed that, that we've been journeying slowly through the Old Testament. We've, we've looked at Exodus, uh, we've looked at how God's people were slaves and oppressed uh, by the Egyptians, and how uh, God raised up Moses 
who Moses would be his mouthpiece, would be his leader of his people, who would lead his people out of Egypt and into the promised land. But there'd be a whole bunch of stuff that would happen along the way. There'd be some parting of some seas and there'll be some wandering and some grumbling and some pretty cool things that will happen. And in fact, that's what Deuteronomy, which is what we looked at last week, goes into some of those things and tells us about uh, some of the, the things that God's people did and how they disobeyed God and in fact how God's people actually got to the edge of the promised land and then were turned around and sent back off into wilderness for another period of time. And now, as we start Joshua, they are back there on the edge of the promised land and we start our series. I'm going to pray for us and we're going to have a look at this first chapter as we set up our series in Joshua. So let me pray for us. Dear gracious God, we pray... Uh, now that as we reflect on your word, meditate on your word, Father, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds. Father, that you would help us to see your wonder, your splendour and your beauty. Father, we pray that we would see that you are not only the God of Israel, but you are the God of the universe. You are our God. And Father, I pray that as I speak where my words fail, Father, Lord, may your spirit speak even louder. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I said, Joshua and the people of God are quite literally on the edge of the promised land. This is the land that, that God had promised uh, Abraham all the way back in Genesis chapter 12. If you get a chance to have a look there, Genesis chapter 12, 1 to 10 is where God promises Abraham all these wonderful things. In verse 7 there, God promises to Abraham, he says, to your offspring I will give you this land. This land that is just across the Jordan River, just on the other side. But this river that is separating God's people and Joshua from that promised land, this river might as well be an ocean because something drastic, something dramatic has happened. The very first words of Joshua 1 tell us what happened at the end of Deuteronomy and that is that Moses is dead. Moses is dead, the one who they were pinning their hopes on, the one that they were hoping that would lead them into the promised land, the one who had led them from slavery, the one who had parted the sea, who had led them in the desert, who had given them the commandments, the one who had seen the glory of God before he went bright red and went very grey very quickly. This man, this great leader, the one who had the very presence of God with him is dead. What now? What happens next? You can imagine that the the, the Israelites will be going, well, we're all the way here and now we don't have Moses. What are we going to do? What hope is there for us? If Moses isn't here, how are we going to do this? See, because Moses is dead, you can imagine that there would be this feeling that their hope was dead and that their, their... Uh, the promise of this land would be dead as well. However, what we find in this first chapter of Joshua is that the death of Moses isn't the closing of a story, it's just the closing of a chapter. And uh, chapter 1 of Joshua is actually the opening of another chapter in the story of God's people. Yes, Moses may be dead, but God's promise lives on. 
Nothing will get in the way. This is not the end of the story for God's people. This is just the next chapter. Which is why uh, in uh, Joshua chapter 1, verses 2 and 4, we see that there is a reminder of the promise that was given to Abraham and his descendants to Moses is now given again to Joshua and the Israelites. If you've got your Bibles there, I hope you do, to make sure that what I'm saying is actually right there. Because right there in verse, uh, verse 2 at the end there, God tells uh, Joshua to get ready to cross the Jordan into the land I'm about to give you, to give to the Israelites. He's saying, that, remember the promise that I gave, I'm still coming good on that. That promise has not died with Moses. That promise is about to be fulfilled. Let's just stop for a moment and just, I just want us to just soak in the magnitude of the land that they're about to go into. It's not like they're crossing the Tom Uglies Bridge into the Shire. Okay? They're not coming across the, the bridge and they're going to conquer the Shire. The Shire is their promised land. Although often many of us in the Shire do talk about the Shire as the promised land. And you go to some cafes, they even have things like God's country on it uh, written in there. We're not talking about something the size of the Shire. We're talking about something like the size... Of, I'm not very good with geography, so I might be over... Uh, kind of uh, making this a bit bigger than what it is. But I'm thinking it's like New South Wales and Queensland kind of together, maybe even Victoria, if we want some extra kind of size. Like, it's a lot of land that they're about to enter into. And this is land that, that God is saying that whatever, wherever you put your feet, that will be yours. I'm giving it to you. You can imagine now, when, with this reminder of the promise, that there would be a bit of joy. There would be a bit of excitement. Yes, we're going to do it. We're, we're off. But you could also... Just for a moment, spare a thought for Joshua at this point. Because Joshua is the one who's going to lead them into this promised land. Joshua is about to lead the Israelites, God's people, into the promised land. What could go wrong? In fact, we get a glimpse that God knows exactly what's going on in Joshua's heart, that he might be feeling this, because there, there is this great encouragement that God gives to Joshua. And it's twofold. Have a look at uh, verse 5, where he says, God says these words to Joshua. He says, I will be with you. These are the same simple words that God said to Moses all the way back in Exodus chapter 3, verse 12, when Moses was gripped with fear, he's saying, God, who am I to go to Pharaoh and speak to him and say, let, my, let, your, let God's people go? Who am I? And God's response was, I will be with you. Just as God was with Moses, so too God's promise here to Joshua is that he will be with him too. The second thing we see uh, four times in this chapter, these words, be strong and courageous. Now it kind of sounds, sounds a bit like a pep talk, doesn't it? Like you're about to, to lift weights or something. Be strong and courageous. Lift well. But it's not those, that at all. See, when we look at Joshua, we understand that Joshua has some big sandals to fill. I don't know if you've ever followed someone in, in a job uh, or, or a volunteer position that has done that job amazingly. You know, the, the type of person where everybody loves them, everybody respects them, uh, every, everything that you do is measured up against what they did uh, and... You, you kind of feel that weight of expectation of trying to be as good, if not better, than the person who came before you. Has anyone, I don't know if anyone's had that situation. 
if online, if you have had that situation, I'd love to hear that in the comments. Um, and if you have, I'd love for you guys to share that over uh, dinner. I, I've had that, op that burden a few times and none more, recently, uh, none more impactful than what happened most recently, where I took over coaching one of my kids' soccer team. And the coach beforehand was a great coach. He did great things. But our very first training session, one of the kids came up to me and said, our coach last year was the best coach ever. <laughs> and he's better than you. So don't try. I was like, oh, okay. Let's do something. That was, that was the, I came into, this is a nine-year-old, by the way. A lot of pressure, right? Now, we had a great season, but even his last words in the last training session was, you did all right, but next year if you coach, can you do what our other coach did when he did these things as well? It's like, oh, I'm still going. I'm not coaching next year. I'm done. I don't know if you've had one of those moments, but could you imagine taking over from Moses? Right? The guy parted the Red Sea. See, right? He did amazing things. Now, when we read the end of Deuteronomy, we actually hear when, when Moses died, one of the things that actually said about him is that there has been no one like him. He's so amazing, so awesome, that there has been no one like him. And here is Joshua strapping on the sandals of the leader of the Israelites, who's still got dust on it from Moses, going, awesome, here I go. What am I going to do? How am I going to do this? And so it's no wonder that God in this first chapter sets the tone for Joshua and for the Israelites when he says, be strong and courageous. Because not only are you going to need it to fill the sandals of Moses, but the Israelites aren't the most easiest people to lead. So the Israelites, are, they're, they're prone to grumbling and complaining and being stubborn and rebelling and kind of not doing what you ask them to do. They're kind of good at that. They're not the most easiest kind of group to lead. And so God is saying to Joshua, you're not just to suck it up, grit your teeth, you know, have a warm glass of concrete and go for it. He's saying, no, your courage and your strength is not going to come from within you. Your strength and your courage is going to come from the fact that I am with you. And that is ultimately where our strength and our courage comes from even still today. That strength and courage that will last, that will endure, is the strength and the courage that comes from God being with us. His spirit, his presence dwelling in us. And this was to be true of Joshua. That his strength and courage was to not come from within him. He wasn't to, to kind of gird it up from somewhere within and have self-belief but he was to put his faith and his trust in the God of the universe. The God who had done all those wonderful and amazing things through Moses. And it is to be true of us. That's why we read in Hebrews 13 verses 5 and 6, where it says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you, which is a direct quote from Deuteronomy 31. But more than that, he says, so we, have, uh, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? 
See the courage that comes from having God's presence, from God dwelling with you. For Joshua, that presence, when God says, I will be with you, it means that Joshua has no reason to be afraid because what those around him might do, God can do even greater. God is leading his people. He is with his people. He is with his leader. And we would benefit greatly from that reminder too, wouldn't we? We, we face so many horrible things each day. You've only got to turn on the news. I have, to go, I have to go months without watching the news for a while because it's just horrible. It is terrible hearing the things that are happening. But even just in our own lives, we go through many storms, many difficulties, many hard times. There's nothing more soul-warming than hearing for a follower of Jesus that God is with us, that his spirit dwells within us that we have all the courage and the strength that we need to get through each day living right inside us. We have nothing to be afraid of because our God has sent his helper, his spirit, to be with us so that we can face those challenges, those storms as they come our way. Because God says to us, as he said to his people in Israel, I will be with you and I will never forsake you. So not only does does God set the tone for Joshua in giving him this encouragement, he also sets the tone for the way that that Joshua is to lead, that he is to lead as an obedient servant, as an obedient follower of God. See, verse 7, he says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. See, encouragement and strength is needed to obey the law that God gave Moses. But God does not leave Joshua to figure out what it is to follow God. He actually, God's word is there, the commandments. All the things that he commanded Moses to do and to teach and instruct his people are there. So so that Joshua and all of Israel know how to obey God, how to follow him, how to trust him. In verse 8, it goes on and continues to tell us what that obedience looks like. That it's a constant and careful absorbing of God's word. That this leads to obedience. And that actually a lack of studying God's word actually leads us away from from obedience. It leads us to disobedience. And so this is helpful for Joshua as he's about to lead his people. He knows how to lead because not only does he have God with him, but he has God's words speaking to him. And one of the amazing things that we have today is that we have this, and this is not just dead words. These are the living words of our God, the living words of our Saviour Jesus, that we are to pour over, that we are to absorb so that we know how to live in this world, how we are to be obedient to him, to the one who has saved us, to the one whose presence is with us always. And we encourage you to read your Bible. And if you need some sort of encouragement, we've got, we're doing daily devotions through Joshua. And you can find that on the Pulse app if you've got that. If you don't have that, come and talk to anyone up here uh, tonight and we'll help you. You can even get it emailed to you, so you've got it coming in your email box. I encourage you to be 
diving into God's word, to hearing what he has to say, to be transformed and renewed by his word so that we may continue to serve him in obedience, to follow him and to trust him. But the final thing in this chapter for us as we finish up tonight is that there is a unity of God's people. What we find is that when we, uh, we, we, in verses 12 to 18, that there's these two and a half tribes of Israel mentioned. And these, these two and a half tribes are mentioned because back in Numbers 32, they actually rebelled and said that they didn't want to do what Moses and God had asked them to do. Instead of going into the promised land, they looked around, they had all this cattle, and they looked at the, the land and said, this land looks pretty good for raising cattle, just give us this land. We'll just settle for this. Let's not worry about going over there and doing all the stuff we've got to do. This looks pretty good. Let's just stay here. In fact, they kind of dug in and said, we're not going anywhere until an agreement was met that all those who were of fighting age would actually go across and join up with the rest of the Israelites into the Promised Land until there was rest there. So, in fact, what ended up happening, they caused a whole bunch of fuss, a whole bunch of... uh, All the other tribes got a bit disheartened and saddened, and there was a bit of rebellion even. And yet here, in chapter 1 of Joshua, we see that all of... Israel, even these two and a half tribes, the rebellious, disobedient group, are even unified in their their, their mission to go across and to go into the promised land that God had promised. And this unity is important for them as they go across because if they break ranks or if there's any any infighting, things are not going to go well. So, um, sorry to use a soccer illustration, but soccer season's just finished and I'm kind of missing it, so it's the forefront of my mind. But, you know, you, you, if you play a game of soccer, you play any sport that's a team sport, what you find is you need the whole team to be working together. If one player goes off and goes rogue, it hurts the rest of the team. It leaves you weak. It leaves you vulnerable to a counterattack. And this, is, this will be true of Israel as they head over into the Promised Land. If anyone goes rogue, it's going to cause problems, and we'll see that it does. Sorry, spoiler alert, if you haven't, don't know what's happening in Joshua yet. Things don't always go smoothly. So it's amazing at this point that there is this unity. And this is something that is important for us to bear in mind too. As, as the world around us is fighting with itself, disagreeing with itself, attacking each other, and attacking anybody who puts their head up above water. It is important for us as a church to be unified together, to be one church, to be looking out for each other, to be looking out for our brothers and sisters in Christ, to be encouraging each other. That's what Hebrews 10 tells us, isn't it? Hebrews 10, uh, 24 and 25 says this. It says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see that final day approaching. 
See, we are not to, to give up meeting together. To be, we're not to give up being unified, being one together, so that we may spur each other on, encourage each other to, to love and good deeds, to encourage each other to keep being strong and courageous in the spirit that God has given us, to be obedient to his word, to be growing in our faith, to be trusting him, to be relying on him so that we may get through all that life might throw at us. When we gather together here, it is to be a time where we refresh each other, where we build each other up and encourage each other, knowing that whatever comes, whatever happens outside of this door when we leave, that we can come back next week and know that I have a church that has my back. They want to spur me on to love, to good deeds, to encourage me to keep going, to keep reading God's word, to find that strength and courage that doesn't come from within but comes from the very presence of God in us. And so here we find God's people, the Israelites. Moses has died, but God has not left Israel. They still have God's promise. God is still with them. With them. They have God's word. And they are still God's people. Hope is not lost. And God's promise will be fulfilled. And they will have rest. But this is not just Israel's story because we too are the people of God and this becomes our story. And so where we stand right now, right here tonight, is that we stand knowing that Jesus has died but he is risen. He is now in heaven but we are not alone. He is with us. We have his presence with us, his Holy Spirit. We have his word, the very word of God. We are his people and we have the greatest hope of mankind. The great hope of the promise of the kingdom of God. That promise of heaven. And that promise that we will one day enter into that rest. We will have rest one day in the promised land. Just as Joshua led the Israelites into the promised land and they had rest. But our rest will not be fleeting. It will not be for a lifetime. It will be for all eternity. It will go on and on and on. We have this amazing, awesome promise. And if you don't know that promise or that promise is not for you, you haven't, it's not your promise tonight, I want to encourage you to ask about that promise to seek out that promise, to ask questions about whether that promise can be a promise for you, because I want to say tonight it can. And for those who have grabbed hold of it, cherish that promise. In a world where there are so many broken promises, this promise will never break. It is a promise that has endured and will continue to endure. It is a promise that will happen. And what a wonderful and glorious day that will be when we stand there and enter into the promised land and have rest for all eternity. Let me pray.
Dear gracious God, we thank you for the many promises that you make throughout your word and that every promise you make comes true. And so, Father, we eagerly wait for the great promise of this promised land of heaven where there will be rest for all eternity. Father, we pray that we would find the strength and the courage to keep going and to keep clinging to this promise through your presence, through your spirit within us. Father, we pray that we would continue to read your word and be refreshed in the knowledge of the promise and who you've called us to be your people, as your people. And Father, we pray too that you would continue to unify us so that we may encourage each other and spur each other on as we look forward to that day when your promised land will come and we will enter. Amen.